Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by ESPN's Todd Archer as we discuss the team he covers, the Dallas Cowboys, and Sunday's game against Washington. We discuss Micah Parsons and what he does so well, the return to health for both Dallas's offense and defense. How much impact will that make? Does he think Ezekiel Elliott would be back to his old ways now that he's had a little time off? You can follow Todd on Twitter, at Todd Archer, and you can read both our work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now about this final stretch for Washington, going against five division opponents. It's going to be fun to see how this all unfolds. What I also know is that Sunday will be Washington's biggest home game with fans in attendance in a few years. This should be a fun atmosphere. Before I play my conversation, here's my little prediction. Logic should dictate I go one way with this pick. Washington continues to be banged up. They lost Montez Sweat this week, Logan Thomas. We don't know, and Sweat, of course, has been out for four weeks, but they thought they'd have him back this week. We don't yet know if J.D. McKissick and Jamin Davis will play because of concussions. They were out there working on a limited basis today. That's a good sign. Or even Landon Collins with his foot injury. He said he's 90%. I think he's going to be good to go. Meanwhile, Dallas is getting healthier. Probably the healthiest they've been in a long time, and Archer will talk about that in a few minutes. Washington quarterback Taylor Heineke has gotten away with some dropped interceptions in too many games, and Dallas is a team that doesn't drop those chances, especially Davon Diggs. We've all seen what the kid has done this year, so if you're you can beat him, but he'll also beat you, so you better be careful. But I've stopped trying to figure out logically what might happen when these when this team is playing, though I still think some of that logic definitely applies here and needs to be applied. Washington is playing damn good football, not perfect football, which means they've been getting away with some things or they're still capable of playing better. Here's why I'm going to pick Washington on a one-point win. Their ability to run the ball has powered this streak. For them to win, that must continue, and it can. Now, Dallas struggles against the run, allowing nearly 4.5 yards per carry. That's a lot. Some of that, maybe a lot of that, stems from missing key players along the line, and that's a big concern. Their return is a concern for me this week. Those players should be back. How does that impact the game? But Washington ran the ball well on this group last year. They averaged 5.2 yards per carry in the two games. They were over five yards in each of those games. This is a better defense than last season, but more so from being opportunistic rather than being some sort of a shutdown unit. Again, you look at the defense of the run stats, they're not that great. And while Micah Parsons is a dynamic player, they know they can run at him to neutralize him in the ground game. Now, that also depends if you know where he's lining up because he could be at linebacker, he could be at end. You don't want Parsons chasing, and so I think what I would do with him is really get him to move. He will move, and he's got really good anticipation skills. The, the motion that they've been using, fool the eyes, fool the eyes, fool the eyes, press the hole, then go. That's what you need to do with him. If Washington can avoid, if they run the ball well and can avoid third and longs, then it has a chance to win its fifth straight game. In the win streak, here are some stats. Washington has had 58 third downs. 27 have been for four yards or less, and they've converted half of their third downs in the streak. Before the streak, they faced 98 third downs. Only 39 were for four yards or less. They converted just 34.7% overall. That was bad. 
To beat this D and to avoid killer mistakes, they must avoid third and longs. If they get into too many third and longs, it's going to be a long day for Washington. I don't think that Taylor Heineke is going to be ducking out of the grasp of Micah Parsons. I'm betting that they'll continue to run the ball well. I think I've told you how much I like what they're doing in the run game. They used to be primarily gap scheme, a lot of power, but used a lot of outside zone lately to diversify, and it's working. They use a lot of motion that fools the eyes, like I said earlier, and causes shifts and creates better chances and better blocking angles. Look for that to continue. Why wouldn't it? And what about without Logan Thomas? Clearly, he's a huge loss. Clearly, huge. But what they'll do is go back to a decent tight end target in Ricky Seals-Jones so the tight ends can still be a factor in the pass game, just a different sort of factor. But one thing to know is that the coaches felt at times that Heineke would stick too long on Thomas while waiting for him to get open on his routes because he trusted him to get open, because he felt like he would, because he felt like he was a good security target or security blanket and a target for him. So they'd wait for him to get free. But because of that, because he'd stick too long on him, by the time he'd work his way to his next, to work through his progression, it was too late. So what the feeling is, the, the positive, I shouldn't say positive, the spin for them will be that he'll go through his progressions quicker. And that would get a chance more for guys like Terry McLaurin. That's one of the reasons why they felt like McLaurin's opportunities were less the last couple games because that they were he, that Heineke was sticking too long with Thomas. Again, you want Thomas on the field, but if you're going to look for something, well, how can it, not how, not how does it help him, but how do they adjust without him, this is one way. The other feeling is that Curtis Samuel is holding up well and therefore will get a lot more chances. Remember that bubble to him that nearly broke it last week? Well, that play excited the hell out of these coaches because of how close it was to being a really big play. File that away. I don't know yet about McKissick. I just know he was practicing again on Thursday, albeit limited, but they are going to need him in this one. And especially like you get into third and long and they're starting to bring in some pressure, that's when you want McKissick back there helping with that. Defensively, the key will be stopping the passing attack. Todd can fill you in more about how Dallas has looked there, but they will be healthier. Washington has defended the pass better, and a lot of it is because of how they've changed their tactics. In the first eight games, Washington played a lot more man, around 40%. In the win streak, maybe 35%. In the win streak, it's back to heavy zone looks, probably 83% of the time in zone. That's according to ESPN Stats and Info. That's obviously give or take, I'm, I'm going to say, but the point is it's been a lot more. They've done that because they're also sending more pressure on third downs. The feeling was that with Montez Sweat and Chase Young, they generate pressure with just four linemen, so they weren't sending as much pressure on certain downs. That wasn't happening enough in part because of coverage and because teams adjusted. They're now a lot harder to predict as far as who's coming and what coverage they'll play. It might be zone, but what kind of zone? Watch how they rotate after the snap. It's really been a nice thing to see as far as the development of the defense. I'll have more numbers for you. Here you go. On third downs in the win streak, they've sent an extra rusher on 48.5% of the time compared to 29% with Sweat and Young in the game. They know they have to generate more pressure, and they have. Now, it's not resulting in a ton of sacks and turnovers, but it is resulting in, in guys feeling more uncomfortable, getting off the field a lot better. Their third down defense has been really good, and that's these are part of the reasons why. I've heard some from some fans who wonder if the issue was Sweat and Young. 
keep in mind, they've adjusted to losing those players. It's not like they're playing the same style. They're not. They're not just going with four rushers and saying, go get them, and Smith-Williams and Tuhill are going and getting them. That's not happening. But they're using guys in the right way, too. They're sending – I like what some of the backups are doing, some of the energy they bring. Daniel Wise, for example. Um, but, you know, Sweat and Young drew a lot more attention in the form of chips, double teams. And they didn't take advantage of that as a defense. I think when those guys come back, I think you'd see a different tactic. When Sweat comes back, I don't think you're going to see the bl- a lot less blitzing. I think you may see a lot more pressure because you have Sweat out there now. And I do like what those other ends have done. I think they've used them well, but this is not an apples-to-apples comparison as far as what they're facing or what they're doing. You don't see, again, you don't see the double teams chips on the ends now, but they're also doing a better job with fooling lines as to who is rushing and where. So it's really unlocked some creativity maybe with the coaches. I don't know if it's creative or more just a necessity, but they're doing it. It's led, to, And I do like how Smith-Williams and Tuhill, they do their jobs, and that's good. But um, all this stuff has led to multiple pressures and incompletions, more so than sacks. There's sixth and third down conversions during the streak. They were last before the streak. That's why earlier in the year, the problem wasn't just the QBs they were facing. It was how they were playing. I do think they wondered if Jerry Jones was playing some head games earlier this week when he said about how using maybe an extra old lineman in the run game with Elliott coming back and being healthier. Um, would they would they go to a run-based attack? I think they're still expecting Dak Prescott to be throwing the ball a lot. They're aware that this is not the Elliott of old, even if his knee is feeling better, nor is this the line that used to dominate everyone. But they'll have to limit those receivers after the catch, and they'll have to make sure Prescott does not kill them with his legs. Yes, he's 7-1 and one against them. He hasn't faced this team or this defense. So really that stats, it sounds great, as, as Ron Rivera would say. It's interesting, not even close to being important. It's really kind of irrelevant. During the streak, Washington has done a good job causing hesitation in quarterbacks such as Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, and Derek Carr. I don't see they won't why they wouldn't be able to do that against Prescott as well. This game is tricky because I don't see Washington being able to keep up if Dallas gets on a roll offensively. If Dallas gets ahead, I think you're going to start. You're going to see if they get ahead by a ten nothing, it's going to be a really really difficult game for Washington. If it can control the ball and the clock, then it will be a good day. If not, it's going to be a long day. I think Washington splits with Dallas this year, so I'm going to give the fans the home game. Anyway, that's too. That's way too much for me. So let's take a look at the other side. After this break, I'll be back with ESPN's Todd Archer. What does he think about Micah Parsons, and does he think Elliott will be back to his old self? Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Todd Archer. Well, Todd, this is exactly what we thought four weeks ago, that Washington would be playing Dallas with a chance to cut this division lead to one game. That's, I mean, is that that's probably what you were thinking too, right? Absolutely. You know, and they, they beat Minnesota on Halloween with their backup quarterback to get to six and one. I go, well, just thank God they're, they're building this cushion in the division right now because, you know, they're going to fall apart here in a little bit and uh, make make it the last six weeks or five weeks of the season interesting. Yeah. And then you have this team streaking, which is what everybody expected when they were two and six on a four game skid at the bye. That's, you know, I know I was thinking that, hey, this looks like a team ready to go on a hot streak and be a factor down the stretch. But, you know, it's funny because um, Washington is banged up and still being banged up. Dallas looks like it's getting healthier. And you had a story on this on ESPN.com about that. And what is their health status? Are they a team that's positioned well down the stretch with guys they have coming back? 
Yeah, they'll have Randy Gregory playing for the first time in four weeks, coming off a calf strain. Neville Gallimore, defensive tackle, that showed a lot of promise in the preseason, playing for the first time all year. He hyperextended his elbow in, in, a, in a preseason game. Demarcus Lawrence on his second game back after breaking his foot in week two in practice. Um, Zeke with the time off from the Thursday to Thursday games, that helps him. Tyron Smith, time off with an ankle injury, that helps him. So they're, they're health-wise, they appear to be as good as they could possibly be entering this game. It doesn't mean they're going to play well. Uh, and right. that's one thing McCarthy talked to us about. He's like, look, I'm not worried about getting the guys back and everything to be fine. I'm worried how I'm going to incorporate these guys and, and get them up to speed. So um, that's really where they are right now. This is – yeah, they, they won against New Orleans – Taysom Hill throws four picks. I mean, you better win that game. Uh, they've lost three or four entering that one. You know, this is not a team that comes into this game riding a hot streak, even if they have all these guys coming back. Well, you know, it's funny because I just saw this team shut down that Raiders offense, and Dallas had a little bit harder time with that Raiders offense um, just a couple weeks ago. What have you seen from that defense? Because, you know, they got it looked like they got off to a hot start, but where are they at right now in terms of how they're playing, do you think? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're playing the way they've played all year, to be honest with you. They've given up a ton of big plays the entire season. Uh, Dan Quinn has really remade himself. He's not this cover three guy that you think of what Seattle did for years, single high, all that kind of stuff. They play man coverage, and that leaves you susceptible to big plays. I, I think they're, they've allowed 48 plays, pass plays of 20 yards or more. This oh. is what they do. Trayvon Diggs will pick off nine passes but he'll give up some, some stuff to Anthony Brown, that, that Raiders game you talked about had four pass interference penalties. He only had one right. penalty going that into that game. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of what they are. They'll make some timely stops. They'll get the ball back. And Micah Parsons has been a revelation as a rookie and probably a guy that should win the defensive rookie of the year award hands down. I, I don't know how you can make an argument against for somebody else over him. I don't think you probably, can. And probably should be in the defensive player of the year conversation, if not win it, at least be in the conversation with what he's been able to do. So this defense is for, for the Cowboys to win. They still need their offense to pick it up. And that's been the issue really since Dak's come back from the calf injury. They, they've not been up to speed in any part of their, of their game. With sticking with the defense and Micah Parsons, because when I was before this team played the Raiders and go back and watch the game and all that. And I wasn't wild by the Dallas defense for some of the reasons you said, but I couldn't help, but like you just mesmerized by Micah Parsons. I mean, he was all over and just fantastic. And he covers up a lot of sins. What's been the most surprising part for you in watching him play? Him having success wherever they've put him. Like usually, you know, it's okay. You tell a rookie, hey, just rush the passer. In the last couple of weeks, he's been mainly a, a defensive end, designated pass rusher, whatever you want to call him. That's what he's mostly played. But he's been an off-the-ball linebacker. Majority of the snaps, I would say, he's played this season and, and excelled there. Uh, his closing speed, I mean, I, I've said this a couple of times. I don't want to say it's like DeMarcus Ware because Ware is going to go in the Hall of Fame here in a few months. Right. But it's on that same kind of deal maybe even better just how he closes so quickly on guys Taysom Hill is an unbelievable athlete yeah. and Parsons had a sack last week on a big third down play that 
Hill couldn't do anything. And he forces a punt. They're in field goal range, forces a punt when it was still a game. Um, he's his closing speed is exceptional. And you have to give the Cowboys coaches, Dan Quinn, George Edwards, uh, a lot of credit for keeping teams guessing as to where he's going to be as a linebacker, as a defensive end, strong side linebacker, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's been, he's been, like I said, a revelation in how well he's played. And it's amazing because the guy didn't even play college ball last year. I mean, so he's doing this. playing Xbox at this. I asked him after the Kansas City game, what were you doing last November? He's like, playing Xbox and training. So maybe, (laughs) you know, that's what the next scouting reports that these teams need to do. Like, what were you doing? I was playing football. Well, how come you weren't playing Xbox? (laughs) Play some Xbox. Do you think think those coaches are surprised at how well he's doing? They have to be. And, And... you know, but I think when they get to this point of the season, the surprise is probably worn sure. off a little bit because it's so late and he's done it for so many weeks. Um, but I don't think they, you know, I remember we talked to Jerry Jones the night of the draft and he said, look, his first, how he's really going to help us as a rookie is as a designated pass rusher. Then he shows up to the rookie mini camp and he does well. And then he gets the regular mini camp and then he gets training camp and they keep adding things, adding things, adding things. And all of a sudden he's calling defense. So th- they've been unafraid to put more on his plate but usually you don't do that with rookies, right? I mean, you kind of want to ease them in. Don't put a lot of burden on them. They keep putting more and more on them, and he keeps responding. How much did he – because the big talk here with Chase Young, Montez Sweat, was all the double teams and the chips, all that. How much is he – how much extra attention is he seeing, and how often is he beating that? I wish I had the stats and info group that could help me with some of those numbers that, uh, you know, we rely on for our stories yeah, at ESPN. Yeah. But – in the eye test, I, he, he, he gets a little bit of it, but I wouldn't say it's all the time. And, and that's really been, you know, they've not had Gregory for the last four games. The Marcus Lawrence was out until last week against New Orleans. So he's got Terrell Basham on one side, Dorrance Armstrong on one side. Why wouldn't they have doubled them? Yeah. Chipped them? And, and there are times that they, that they have, but I can't say like, they're always throwing a tight end his way. They're always throwing a chip his way. They're sliding protection that way. That's just not been the case. Well, it sounds like their ability to move him around too kind of helps negate some of that as well because he does line up a lot of different places. Yeah, and now that with Gregory coming back and, and Lawrence back, I think you'll see him probably shift back into a more of a linebacker role uh, and, and in a third down situations, pressure that way as opposed to doing it every single down. And, you know, I, I talked to your good buddy, Matt Bowen, because of you. Thank you for the, for the yeah, uh, number there. And, and you say, look, you don't need to make him just a defensive end or just a linebacker. Play him in both spots, and then in third downs, put his hand on the ground and let him go. He, he, he thought he might – you can make the case that if Miles Garrett is the number one edge rusher in the league, Micah Parsons right now is number two. And when he said that, I, I literally I said out loud, wow. Wow. Like, yeah. Because yeah. when, when you see it up close, you know, our, our, we have tunnel vision right. on, on what we're covering. We don't look at it from a league perspective that he does. And I was like, holy cow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, especially as he studies it too. So yeah. um, w- with the offense, is it just, you know, the receivers have not been together. I think how many games is that? Three games this year or something like that for the receivers They've together? They started and finished together three, two or three games. <laughs> so, I think three. Let's say three because that doesn't sound as bad. So it, how much of the, the offensive rhythm, I guess, a lack, a, a function of the lack of time together versus anything else? I'm not going to put it on that because Dak didn't have, you know, 
he didn't have Gallup against New England and they put up 600 yards against the Patriots. Sure. So I, I, I think it's more a function of their, their line play. And I hate to just boil it down to line play. Cause unlike you, I, I don't get bogged down into that kind of mumbo jumbo, <laughs> um, <laughs> but their line play has been inconsistent and they, they can't run the ball anymore. And yeah, Zeke is banged up and, and maybe they should give the ball to Tony Pollard more, but when Pollard, you know, Pollard has broken a couple of big plays, but more often than not, he's getting the same three yards right. of carry that Zeke is getting. So to me, that's a fundamental issue with the running game and the, and the tight ends and the blocking and all that just and the scheme has not worked together. And then when the pass game, well, all that, as we know, works off of each other, especially from the Cowboys perspective, if you can run the ball, well, then you force teams to change things defensively and you can attack down, down the field. That's just not happened. I don't know if I can say it's because Gallup's, missed seven games and Car uh, Cooper missed two games and Lamb missed one. They had one drive against the saints where on three or four straight, three, three straight plays or three or four plays Cooper had a 41 catch Lamb had a 33 yard. It turned into a run. It was a bubble screen. And then Gallup caught a touchdown. Like, Oh, there's the Cowboys. Yeah. offense. So that's what they still have the possibility and potential of doing, but they got to get out of their own way in some respects. And, and Kellen Moore and, and, and truthfully, you know, Dak needs to play better. He's not played as well coming back from that calf injury, seven touchdowns, five interceptions. And, and he'll admit it. Like he, he needs to play better. Um, so this is, this will be a big test for him. And I think he's lost what one game against your football team. I think it's, I think it's seven one. And one, I think. Yeah. yeah. He and Daniel Jones own these guys. <laughs> You better be owned by Dak than by Daniel Jones. Well, I know. I think. It's, yeah, I, think, I think so. What's when with coming back from the cap? Is there anything that you can see where you say, okay, this is a little bit different with him? Is he off in his throws? Is he's not using the legs as much, or just doesn't look as good yet? Not using his legs as much. Yeah, I was in the, and I was looking at this in the last. Uh, where is it? My number. I'll find my numbers. Since the calf injury, he's had eight carries for twenty-one yards. That's in was that five games for him before that he had 22 carries for 70 yards so the, you know the yard it's like a little bit more than a half a yard difference per carry but he doesn't seem to be moving around as much I don't want to say as well but just as much and I think his footwork has been off um on, on some throws which has led to what's weird though John as you look at his like his completion percentage it's still up there it's still 67 68 yeah. percent but there's just some throws you're like, that was an easy throw. Why did he miss that one? Mm. And then he'll come back the next play and boom, it's a dime on, on a Stevie Lamb or Gallup down the sideline. He had some throws against the Raiders that were dimes. Yeah. I mean, some of those to, to Gallup down the side. Yeah. yeah. I mean, exactly. And um, that came after he missed Noah Brown yes. on a slant yeah. where it's like, well, that that's the easier throw, <laughs> yeah. not the one down there. So. With with Elliot, do you think this? How much will this time off help him? Is that you know? Is it something that they feel that it will give him a big help, or is it just a hope it helps him? They think it will help him, and it probably is a little bit of a hope there too. But um, medically, it's improved. He I mean he had this since October. He's had a hundred yard game since he's had this, and and it. it I, I don't know, but I don't know if a bruise is something. Well, just give him a week off, and he's going to be fine. So that's probably why they didn't rest him. They probably just wanted to get to this mini buy as they look at it and say, okay, this will help him. Cause they've cut back on his snaps. He would play maybe 80% of the snaps in the first six, seven, eight games of the season. He's played about 60% of the snaps, 65% of the snaps since 
they, they've, they've really tried to track it and monitor that and cut down his workload. Um, but again, it's, there's just something fundamentally wrong with their run game right now, regardless of who's running it. Yeah. Pollard's had a big play on a wildcat play at Kansas city and had the 58 yard touchdown, but the, the down to down play to play, here's our schemed running game. It's just not what it needs to be. And they, they need better play from their center, uh, be honest, they need better play from their left guard, um, Connor, Connor McGovern, after he took over for Connor Williams. And then he better play from the three guys we all know, Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, and, and Leo Collins. They all need to play better. I'm curious to see what they do at right tackle if Terrence Steele goes back to being the starter right. at right tackle. But I'm sorry, there's just not a world where Terrence Steele is better than Leo Collins. It, it just, I, I think they're overthinking that stuff. And last topic here, do you think that they're ready for the runaway Taylor Heineke freight train this weekend? Tony Romo light? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. How about that? Um, look, there'll be big plays available because that's what the Cowboys do. So McLaurin will have some big plays. Uh, Dan Quinn was talking about Samuel being back. Obviously not having the tight ends out, right? He's not. Yeah, playing. Logan Thomas is done. That'll be it. That's a big loss for them. But they get another guy, Ricky Seals-Jones, back. But Thomas is the guy. So, so that'll help the Cowboys and, and Gibson has been running the ball. Well, from yeah. the games that I've yes. seen and, and, you know, when, when they've struggled here a little bit against the, you know, Taysom Hill ran pretty well. I'm not going to, you're not going to see Heineke do those, the, his stuff. Isn't design runs like, no, with Hill. no, it's not. His so, stuff is getting out of trouble. And that's where I'll be curious to see if he can get away from Michael Parsons a few times, but that's what he does. Gets out of trouble and extends plays more than just runs by design. And it's Gibson and, with the run game is the power. And, and uh, you know, you, you trust the Cowboys defense, but you still need to verify it. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's a, that was always going to be the case this season. If they could be middle of the road, that was fine. And I think their numbers are probably middle of the road, yeah. but they're getting the Drake. They're taking the ball away. They're doing a pretty decent job on third downs. So, but there'll be opportunities for them to make plays and will probably be hostile territory for the home team because we'll know there'll be more Cowboys fans there than <laughs> Washington fans. That's there been may, the case here lately. Yes, it has. There may be a couple more because I think people are actually are, are getting excited, and, and but we'll see. So, Todd, that's 15 minutes. I told you, we're done. <laughs> Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Todd for joining me, and thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back with another episode after Sunday's game. Talk to you next time.